Good morning, Victory Church. Let me hear you. As Malcolm said, week five of Patterns. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. We, it will take us all the way up to Easter. And just it's kind of been life-changing for me in the process as preparing it. And I hope it's been a blessing to you kind of being able to talk to some of you guys after service and hearing what the different sermons are meaning and how they're impacting you. And again, it's just uh, it's kind of been a, a life-transforming series for me as well. But I'm even more excited about the series that we're going to launch after Easter called Greater Things. And you're going to hear us talk a little bit more about that as it comes on and what God's going to do through that. I just want to real quick... I'll piggyback on a couple of things that Malcolm said. Let me just say, if you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. My name is Troy, and me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And this is such a great church with a great team. We love what God's doing here through us in this area. We are really excited about Easter. And as he said, when you guys leave today, you'll have the opportunity to get one of these. And, and these aren't really for your family or your friends. We want you to invite those kinds of people word of mouth. But this is for, look, when you're at a restaurant or something, you know, slide this in. the. Make sure you pay the bill. Make sure you tip first, all right? Don't be trying to put this in there as a tip. That's not how it works. Um, but, but just kind of spread the information about what God's doing. It's going to be a great time in here during the service and to be able to go out and have some egg hunt, some ice cream, and a good time of fellowship. When you're a church plant like we are, any opportunity to allow the people who call the church home and people who are checking out the church an opportunity to just fellowship with one another because life's so busy, we tend to come in when church starts and out the door as soon as church is over. And so it's just a great opportunity to fellowship. But let me tell you what I'm really excited about that's coming up. On April 8th, when that new series kicks off, we will have our first as a church water baptism, okay, in this place. And so that's just going to be an incredible day. So if, if you're interested at all in being baptized, we want you to be able to let us know. Give us that information so that we can get that scheduled. And uh, we'll give you a link here starting next week that you'll be able to register to get water baptized. And it's just going to be a great, great uh, opportunity here at Victory Church. If you've got your Bibles, do me a favor. Go ahead and open up the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. If you've got your Bible, if you don't, go ahead and just get your phone out and Google Hebrews. Chapter 11 is what we're going to look at. Chapter 11. And as you're going there, let me just kind of catch you up. We're in a series called Patterns where we believe that in the Bible, God gave us patterns, specific patterns for every area of our life to be successful. So we've talked about the fact that God gave us a pattern for our thoughts. God gave us a pattern for how to deal with anxiety. God gave us a pattern for how to deal. Last week, we talked about offense or wounds and how God gave us a pattern. Remember, don't pick it up, but drop it if you were here for that. If not, jump on our podcast and listen to it. You want to kind of stay connected with the series as we're going. We'll be talking about finances coming up. We're talking about a few other things. And on Easter, we're going to talk about the ultimate pattern that uh, God put in place through Jesus to be able to give us freedom and different things. But today, I want to talk to you about the pattern of faith. The pattern of faith. Faith is such an interesting topic. Everybody kind of has a different definition of what faith is and what that means. And we use it in different terms. We'll refer to a person as a person of faith. or return to, well, Sometimes we just refer to faith as a religion and different things. You know, these are people of faith. And so there's just all kinds of different definitions that we have of faith. And I want to show you the pattern I believe God put in place for us on how to operate in faith. Faith. So Hebrews chapter 11 is probably one of the most popular chapters when it comes to teaching on faith. And there's so much wisdom throughout the chapter. I'm not going to have that time to be able to go through everything. But I want to focus on just a couple of thoughts that are going to kind of bring out and reveal the pattern that God has for us in faith. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 starts off kind of defining faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, okay, so faith is you having confidence in whatever you're hoping for and assurance about what we do not see. 
So faith is having confidence in what you're hoping for and assurance in what you do not see. So that's kind of a definition of faith. And in two, verses 2 through 5 kind of go on to show some Old Testament believers and the faith that they operated in. And then in verse 6 it says this, watch this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a lot of weight being put on the concept of faith. So we better make sure we have the right pattern for it. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me show you something in these two verses. Pretty interesting. So watch this. So uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for. What do we hope for? We hope that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, right? We all hope that he's going to reward us for earnestly seeking him. So that's the confidence in that. And then watch this, the assurance about what we do not see. What do we not see? We have to believe that he exists. We have to have assurance and believe that he exists, although we cannot see. So you see how those two verses kind of marry one another. So it's very interesting. But what this shows us is that faith is a very critical part of our Christian walk. It's an extremely critical part. And if we don't have the correct pattern... If we put in place the wrong pattern, then at the end of the day, you and I will end up frustrated with faith. So let me kind of tell you what I believe is the world's pattern for faith. Now, every day we've laid out the world's pattern, which we've said all we can do with the world's pattern is conform to it, Romans 12, 2. But God's pattern transform us, transforms us, and we've kind of every day given the world's pattern for worry and God's pattern for worry, or the world's pattern for thoughts and God's patterns for thoughts. And we're going to do the same thing today with faith. But this time the world's pattern isn't like that bad. It's almost kind of close and it's got some, some attributes about it that are godly, but it's kind of taken us in a little bit of a wrong direction that if we don't acknowledge it, we will end up frustrated with faith once it's all over. So here's how I believe the world patterns out faith for us. Number one, it thinks that we're going to initiate our faith by what we see. It tells us to initiate our faith by what we see. So what's going on in my life? What's happening? Well, what do I want, right? What do I see and what do I want? Do I want more money? Do I see that I need more money? And so I'm going to initiate my faith. Do I see a family member that's sick and I want healing so my faith is going to be initiated? Do I, do I see that my job might be about to be terminated and so my faith is initiated? It's whatever we see initiates our faith. And then the world says when you want to elevate your faith, you need to believe. Right? How many times do you hear people tell you this? Well, you just need to believe. You just need to believe. You just, you just, I'm having a, you just need to believe. Like that, that just tends to be the comment that doesn't really have a lot of definition behind it. And so the world says to initiate your faith, see it, to elevate your faith, believe it, and to demonstrate your faith, wait for it. So see it, believe it, wait for it. See it, believe it. Wait for it. That's the pattern that the world tends to introduce for us when it comes to faith. Now, when Darla and I chose to kind of accept what we felt like God had laid on our hearts and, and move and plant this church, I don't know that there's ever been a moment in our life where God was asking us to operate in that much faith. 
mean, I'd been a Christian for 13, 14 years. I'm 33 years old. I've had a lot of experiences in life. I have two children, so I've had a lot of bloody noses and, and scarred up knees where I was having to pray hospital visits and doctor visits. But there was a never moment in my life, not one moment in my life, that God called for that kind of faith out of me like the day he told Darla and I to move and plant this church. We were comfortable in Memphis. Had a comfortable home, comfortable salary, comfortable job. Kids were in comfortable schools. Both the parents lived there. You know, it was just a comfortable experience. But when God moved on our hearts to do this and we said, all right, God's telling us to do this, and we made that decision, it got really uncomfortable really quick. And we had to believe God in faith in a lot of areas. And every, listen, all 19 people that moved here from Memphis, from Texas, they would tell you the same thing. If you set them down and interrogate them, they would say, I didn't realize the kind of faith it was going to call for me to have in this process. I didn't realize what God was really asking me to do and the faith he was asking me to have. I remember this one story I just thought I'd share. It's not even in my notes, but I thought I'd share it. Andrew and Amber Morton, they're on the launch team, moved from Memphis. Andrew works on the production team. And when they were getting ready to move, and when they had made a decision to go with us, their job, Andrew's job, he, he, his wife stays at home and he works. His job said, we're going to let you keep your job, same pay and everything, and you're going to be able to work from Nashville. So that was just fantastic, right? We're like, oh, man, God's in this. God, God's glory be to God, all this kind of stuff. Like a month before we were all supposed to move, they'd already sold their house and everything, his boss called him into his office and said, listen, everybody wants your job, so you can either stay in Memphis and keep your job, or you can move to Nashville and be fired. And we thought, uh-oh. And I remember rushing home. I was out of town. I remember rushing home because I couldn't kind of anticipate the attitude Andrew was going to have in this process. Because us as men, men, you understand this, we're the providers. And so we have to be very realistic in the provision of our family. And I got home, and he was so excited. He was still ready to go. He was like, man, God's going to get me. God's going to get me. I was blown away by his faith. When he moved here, he got a better job, better pay, everything. God was God provided. But I don't know that everybody understood the kind of faith God was going to call for them to have in this process. But here's what I know. Had we operated by the pattern of faith that the world gives us, I don't think we would have been here. I just don't think it. If you would have told me you have to see it, Troy, you have to believe it, and you have to wait for it, I don't think we would be here today. Thankfully, God removed the world's pattern of faith and put in place his pattern for faith And today I want to answer three questions, and in the process I want to share with you a story that happened in Victory Church in the preparation, dealing with an area of faith that I think is all going to reveal to us this morning the pattern by which God does faith. You ready, church? Question number one, how do we initiate our faith? How do we initiate our faith? The world says it's by sight, and it goes two ways. Number one, they say you see a need. What, what is my need? I see it, and now my faith has been started. Now my faith has been initiated. Or I look around and see what I want, and then my faith is initiated. Regardless, they're saying that your faith is initiated by sight. And listen, if I was real with you, I often fall in this pattern all the time. And not only is my faith often initiated by my sight, but listen, my faith is often dictated by my sight. And if my situation is, is improving, my faith will improve, right? Or if my situation's declining, often my faith will decline. And so I have a problem allowing my sight to initiate my faith. But Hebrews said this, that faith was the assurance of things you do not see. So God is clearly letting us know right off the bat, it's not by sight. 
It's not by sight. Let me ask you a quick question. The opposite of good is what? Bad. The opposite of real is what? Fake. The opposite of faith is fear. Most people say one or two things, fear or doubt. But let me tell you something. You can have both fear and doubt and still have faith. Here's why. The opposite of faith are not fear or doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. The opposite of faith is certainty because if you can see it, you don't need to believe it. If it's certain, you don't need faith. And so when this whole sight process, I always had a problem where I wanted to see it before I believed it. Am I the only one in here? Y'all going to talk to me this morning. I know y'all didn't get an hour of sleep, but we tried to give you coffee. Am I the only person that I have to see it before I believe it? I can get some big faith when you let me see it, right? When all of a sudden I I see an email about me getting a raise, now I've got faith that God's going to provide. If I see it, I don't have any problem believing it. And that's always been my problem. And so when we got ready to launch the church, listen to this. Um, There were so many areas that we were going to need faith for. But one of the biggest areas was the finances of the church because we had three dreams that we wanted to provide financially for the church when we launched it. Number one is we wanted to raise my salary for a year because we wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to pour all my energy into the church. I didn't want to have to get a secular job and and be kind of going back and forth. I wanted to really be able to meet people and meet for lunches and focus and focus and focus. So that was number one. Number two, we wanted to launch big, okay? In case you don't know what that means, Some of the um, strategy for church planning nowadays is that people will gather in their home and they'll meet in their living room and kind of do like a Bible study type thing and grow and grow and grow. And once they get to a certain size, then they'll rent a facility and then that's kind of the process of church planning. We wanted to launch big. We wanted to open up day one fully functioning as a church because we just believed that was the vision God had for Victory Church. And so we wanted to have... A, a dynamic kids ministry. We wanted to have lights and, and full worship. And we wanted to have, you know, everything you can imagine. We wanted to have the nursing room for, for moms who are still nursing. We wanted to have the dream team care for volunteers to be able to eat and have a good time. We wanted to have everything, signs outside and flags. We wanted to launch big. And guess what? That's a big cost, right? And then thirdly, I think you'll appreciate this one more than the other two. We wanted to launch debt-free. We wanted to launch this church debt-free. We didn't want to start the church in debt. We wanted you to be able to give. When you give tithes and offerings, we wanted you to be able to impact ministry, impact people, and not be giving towards debt. So those were the three things we wanted to do financially, which meant we were going to have to raise a lot of money. My dad is blue-collar. He taught me one thing. If you want something, you go out and work for it. So it was hard for me to understand going out and raising this kind of money for something that people couldn't even see yet. But we did it. And remember, in order for me to believe... I often have to see. So I'm a planner, boy. So I got together and I got this plan together. And here was my plan. That we had about a year before the church launched. I said, 40 Sundays out of the next 52, I'm going to travel and I'm going to preach. I'm going to travel and talk about victory and give testimonies and preach or do offertories or whatever they'll let me do and raise money for the church. And if I can raise 1000 here, 2000 there, I'll get somewhere between 40000 and $80,000. And we needed about 65000 is what we needed to be able to reach our budget. So I was like, I'll just go. And now I'm going to show you a picture of my journal. This was the actual picture where I started writing down names of, of, of what I was going to do, places I was going to go, and, and, and the kind of money they would give, and what, what they had promised. And I, was gonna, I was, had this whole process figured out because I wanted to do it by sight. Because if I could see it, I could believe it because that's what the world says. 
that your faith is initiated by sight. But Hebrews says it's not about what you see. And Romans 10, 17 says this. It's not initiated by sight, but it's initiated by what you hear. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. Listen to me. Often when we are looking for God to give us greater faith, we will start to look for assurance of that faith. And God says, don't look for assurance, listen for assurance. If you follow the pattern of God through Christ, through Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, here's what we know about him. is most of the time when he did miracles, the situation that you were looking at didn't look good, right? God loves to put us in places where it looks a little questionable so that he can show out even more. So he's been trying to teach us the entire time, don't walk by sight, walk by faith. I think if God had his way, he would tell us, look, just close your eyes. Just quit looking because if you keep looking, you're going to look at the situation and you're going to say this situation doesn't look good. And I'm going to say to you, I did that on purpose because now people can't deny that I did it. And so the situation is never going to look good. So close your eyes. Have you ever noticed when you close one sense off, all of a sudden the other senses get stronger? Y'all know that? Like if you close your eyes, you can hear better, right? That kind of thing. If you close your mouth, you can listen better. That's a whole uh, marriage sermon for you right there. But if you close your eyes, you can hear better. Let's, let's practice it, all right? Close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything crazy to you. Just close your eyes for a second. And here's what I want you to practice by. Because most of us in this room operate our faith by what we're seeing. You're in a situation right now where you're asking God to do something and your faith is being judged by what you see. Are they getting better What's the report say? Where are my finances? What does my bank account look like? What is my situation? You're looking at what you see, but God is saying your faith is initiated by what you hear. What you hear. So with your eyes closed, check this out. Let's just keep your eyes closed and listen to this. You got um, God has a purpose for your life, right? There's no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. God will provide and bring provision. I'm fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. I'm able to fulfill the calling God has placed on my life. I'm a faithful spouse and a godly parent. Our family is blessed. I am completely healed physically, mentally, and emotionally. Open your eyes. See how different it is when you listen instead of looking? Quit looking and start listening. What, what, do you, what am I listening to? The Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. The Word of God tells you everything you need to know about your current situation and your faith. So listen to me. Sight does not initiate your faith. Hearing initiates your faith. Because if it's operating by sight, watch this, then you'll only need faith when you have a problem. Am I right? If my situation's good that I can see, I don't need God. If we're operating by sight, we only need faith when something's wrong. Listen, when you're operating by hearing, you always need faith because the word is saying God is wanting to do something greater in your life every day. By sight, just when I have a problem. By hearing, because God wants to do something greater in me yesterday than he did today or tomorrow than he did today. So I need more faith. 
So hearing initiates faith. Number two, how do we elevate our faith? Because a lot of us, right, we, we get excited in our faith, and then all of a sudden our faith starts to decline a little bit. And how do we elevate it? And we already said that the world tells us just believe. Man, you know, I, I, here's the deal. My mom's in the hospital and she's getting sick. Brother, you just need to believe. You just need to believe. And, and I, I see the biblical aspect in that. But, y'all, that becomes tough after a certain amount of time. Just believe. Just believe. But look what Corinthians says. All right? I believed, therefore, I have spoken. I believed, and now as a result of believing, I've what? Spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. The world says that you elevate your faith by believing. God says you elevate your faith by speaking what you heard. So your faith is initiated by what God said, and it's elevated by you saying what God said to you. We talked a little bit about this in the Worry series. It's all about you speaking what God is saying. Most of our problems, listen, is we're speaking what we didn't hear. We are proclaiming things that God never said. And as long as you speak what God didn't say, there's no power behind it. God showed us all throughout Scripture the authority behind him speaking. He spoke into existence creation. He spoke to storms, right? He even tells us, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain. Move, and it'll move. You can speak. It doesn't say get the mustard seed and then write a letter to the mountain. It doesn't say get a mustard seed and then believe that the mountain will move like Professor A. Just, ugh. It says speak to the mountain. God's whole process of faith is listen to my word and start speaking my word. Don't proclaim your own idea over a situation. Proclaim the word of God. Your ideas have no power. But God's ideas processed through your brain and out of your mouth have authority. Am I right? When he spoke, demons shuddered. That same voice is in you. But the problem is when you start trying to use that voice to speak things that he never promised. And you will stand in a situation and promise God's word that you don't even know. There are people promising the word of God and it's out of context. And then they're upset when God doesn't come through and God's up there going, ah, I never said that. That's a version of what I said. We are in this process. We're, we're excited. We're wanting to raise this money and I've got this plan in place with this journal. And after about the eighth, eighth church that was bringing us in, it just, it just stopped. It just stopped. Everybody I talked to, man, ain't going to happen this year. I can bring you out next year. And I'm like, well, next year doesn't really help me, you know. And it was just, it just kind of came to a stop. And now my faith ooh, starts to decline. And I need my faith to be elevated because we had all of these big visions and dreams. But now my plan, right, it's a whole other sermon, the plan I had isn't working. And so now my faith needs to be elevated. And all of a sudden I go, okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to do the loan. You know, we can still have the salary. We can still have the stuff we need to launch the church. And we'll have the money. We'll, we'll be in debt. I didn't want that. But you got to do what you got to do. 
And so I said, all right, I'm going to go with the process of the loan. There was an organization, CMN, that would give us a loan for $65,000, but we needed a co-signer. <laughs> and I'm like, who, who co-signs on a $65,000 loan, right? How, how does that process work? The church that we were from in Memphis couldn't do it, and so let me pause there for a second. Around the same time, we had just formed this relationship with LifePoint Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. If you've been through Growth Track, you know a little bit about this. There's a church in Clarksville, Tennessee that has become our parent church, parent affiliation. Their, their pastor is kind of a mentor to mine, a friend of mine. Their board serves as our board. They're, uh, they're, they look oversee our budget. They do all that process while we are still a growing church because I would never ask you to give money to something that I couldn't hold accountable. And so because I don't trust, you know, I'm not going to just tell you, well, I just take all the money back to my bedroom, put it in a big bag, and we count it every Sunday. You know, it doesn't work that way. And so their, their, their board oversees it. There's a whole process. I go down and meet with them every month over the budget. There's a process as the church is growing. And so we had just became that with them. We had just become, a, they had just become our parent church. And our relationship wasn't necessarily large with them. And so I thought, oh, my goodness, how, how do I go and ask him to co-sign on a loan for $65,000? And I just knew we don't have a choice. And so I remember going up to him. I think I actually called him on the phone and said, hey, Pastor Mike, talked to him for a second and just said, hey, here's the situation. Would you be willing to co-sign on a loan for $65,000? And here was his answer. He said, man, I'd love to. Like, what? <laughs> well, what about 200000 You know, he just kind of raised it, get, get me a Lamborghini or something. Uh, like, he just was quick. Man, I'd love to do it. And that was such a moment for me where I realized that often our faith is elevated when we just speak. Right? When we just have the, the, the confidence and the boldness to speak what God's already said. God's already said he'll provide for you, now start speaking it. God's already said that, you know, he's going to be able to put you in a place to be able to bless other people and put you in a place to serve. Now just start speaking it. God says he wants your marriage to be healed, start speaking it. He wants your children to have a purpose, start speaking it. He wants your finances to be blessed, start speaking it. Now, listen, I'm not one of those weirdos that tell you to just start walking around speaking crazy stuff and like a magic genie, God's going to make it happen. But if it's in his word, speak his word. Am I right? So the word says, I mean, the world says, see it and believe it. God says, hear it and speak it. Totally different. Number three, how do we demonstrate our faith? So we've learned that our faith gets going. We start our faith by hearing the word of God. And now we've learned that our faith, when it starts to kind of go down a little bit, that we can elevate it by speaking the word of God. But how do we walk it out? How do we walk in faith? Scripture talks about walking in faith. Because, do you know this? You can actually initiate your faith through hearing the word, and you can actually elevate your faith through speaking the word and still not walk in faith. Because listen to this. The end goal of faith is not for you to have a good mental state. The end goal of faith is to move you into action. We often think faith is just supposed to leave us comfortable. The entire time, faith is supposed to move us out of comfort. See what I mean? We want to be in a good mental place. God, just give me, I just have faith you're going to put me in a place where everything's at ease. And God says, if you follow my verses in my scriptures, my disciples were never at ease. They were never at ease. Because where I take you will be uncomfortable, but if you have faith, I will move you into action. And as you step, I'll provide ground. As you step, I'll provide ground. That's faith. Here's what we want to do. Let's imagine this is the step out. Faith is, God, I'm going to stand right here, and as soon as you provide me a bridge from point A to point B, I'm going to start walking. 
I got faith, though, God. Ooh, I got faith. Ooh, give me that bridge. Give me that bridge. I'm going to, oh, no, it's not there yet. I'm going to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Because here's what the world says. The world says that your faith is demonstrated by how long you wait. Because if I stay here long enough and I wait 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 and I wait. Oh, nope, not yet. Have faith, have faith, have faith, have faith. Believe, 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 believe. Oh, nope, not yet. Believe, believe. God says, go, <laughs> do, step. And once you step, in time, it may be 1159, but in time, he will show up and provide. James explains this so much better than I ever could. In James chapter 2, it is just profound. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is it if you believe but don't do nothing? It's the Troy Powell version. Can such faith save them? Imagine if Jesus said, I'm believing for you to be saved, but I'm not getting on the cross. Y'all ain't ready for that yet. We'll go. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Let me translate that for 2018. If you tell me you're going to pray for me, but you don't pray, don't say it. Right? Oh, I'm going to pray for you. Well, you better go pray. I like to challenge folks when they say, I'll pray for you. Do it right now. Do it right now. Show me, okay? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I love this verse. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You say you have deeds. You say you have faith. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Deeds. I'll show you how much faith I have because I'll go ahead and step out when the bridge isn't there. The world says, see it, believe it, wait for it. God says, hear it, speak it, do it. Whatever you're believing for, hear what the word of God says. Speak the word of God and then do it. Quit believing for a job and get out and put in some applications, right? Quit believing for a spouse and join the dream team so you can be at the greeting door and meet every single person that walks into church. You have an excuse to touch them. Shake their hand, not inappropriately, okay? Had to kick you out and put you in production for that. Do something. Don't just believe, but do. The world will teach us, church, listen, it'll teach us that faith is all up here. It's all up here. And if that verse said, if you have faith like a mustard seed and think that mountain will move, I'd believe that. But when it says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed and you speak to a mountain and it moves, it tells me that God, in his mind, faith isn't here. It's in here. It's action. It's moving. It's doing something. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever that situation in your life right now where you need faith, quit, quit observing and believing and waiting and start looking at the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, and then doing the Word of God. And what you're looking for, here's what I know. Either A, God will give you what you're wanting, or B, God will change the perspective by which you see and you'll realize that what you wanted wasn't God's plan to begin with. Can I give you an example? Man. 
I'm believing God for this money for this church. So many things I was wanting to do, y'all. I wanted to give you a church from day one that was fully functioning, that had great kids ministry for your children, and it gave great team care for volunteers. And and like I said, it gave nursing moms a room to nurse. We wanted to give you everything from day one. There's nothing wrong with having a church in your house and starting up, but we wanted to, we just believe God had a vision for this church. We believe Smyrna, God wants to do something right here. We wanted to bring this to you, but I needed the money. And I honestly didn't want to take out a loan because I didn't want to stand here and say, give to debt, give to debt. I want to say, give to change lives. It's going to be hard for me to sit down. It's going to be funny. But things happen the way they happen. and You got to do what you got to do. So I drove down to Clarksville on a Tuesday to meet with Pastor Mike and get the application for the loan. He's a great friend of mine, so we hung out for hours talking about church and life. And Meanwhile, he's texting the gentleman who's over the organization that gives the loan. He gives me the paperwork. I'm getting ready to leave. And he says to me, Troy, I just got a text from John Jay. The deadline for the loan was last week. My faith... He goes, listen, man, he said, you can still do it, but the chances of you getting it by January aren't happening. I said, well, that's not a big deal. I needed it by November. (laughs) So the deadline's over. I remember sitting in his office. He has these glass windows looking out in the hallway. And I remember sitting in a little swivel chair just like, God, what are you going to do? I'll be honest with you. I didn't have any faith at that moment. I just didn't know. So I get up to leave because conversation's done. This is my favorite moment. He walks over and puts his hand on my shoulder, gives me a hug, pulls me back and says, brother, just have faith. Just have faith. Uh, you, You preachers make me sick. He said, look, man, go home, fill out the application, bring it back here Sunday night. We'll turn into John Jay. Who knows? Maybe something crazy will happen, and they'll be able to get you the money. I gave one of those things you never do, where I looked at him and said, yes, sir, and thought in my mind, whatever. Y'all don't, y'all don't ever do that. Y'all are, y'all are holy. Started walking down the hallway to leave, and another friend of mine who's on staff there, Pastor Benny, he's the executive pastor, he walks out of his office. Hey, Troy. I'm like, hey, Benny. We start talking. I tell him the situation. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, brother, just have faith. I thought, man, you faith-filled people, I'm about to go crazy. I go down to my car. I get in my car. I take the application. I throw it into the passenger seat of the car, and I'm like, God, what now? What now? Every time I had faith, I heard your word and I spoke your word. And yet here we are. And I can't do anything about this. Right? Because where your faith is the most tested is when you're put in a place where you physically can't change it yourself. Because we tend to try to change everything until we can't do it anymore. Right? As long as we can still drive, we don't want God in the seat. So sometimes God has to put us in a place where no matter what, we can't do anything so that we'll get out the way. 
drove home, told Darla about it. That Sunday, we had a team rally. Here, and this is crazy because some of the teams learn about this for the first time right now, okay? I didn't tell anybody. The team rally, the team got together at a place downtown Smyrna. We did worship. We, I preached a little bit. It was our first time fully being together before the launch. It was amazing. I didn't tell them nothing. So I thought, how do I get in front of 50 people who are giving their life to launching this church and say, hey, guys, that plan I had ain't working out. So I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I said, God, tell you what, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to do and I'm just going to go to Clarksville, and I'm going to give them that application, and I'm not going to say a word to anybody else, and I'm going to trust that somehow, God, you'll do what you promised. So we had our team rally. It was incredible. Went to eat lunch. Darla and I packed the kids up, and we drove to Clarksville. On the way to Clarksville, my phone rings, and I answer it. It's Pastor Mike. He says, hey, man, just to let you know, we are wanting to film a video of you and Darla to tell the church that you're now a packed church under us. And we just want to introduce you to them with your involvements on Sundays at the church. You'll hardly ever be able to be here. So we just wanted to, we just want to introduce you guys to the church. I said, man, that's great. Whatever. Right? He said, the whole board's here. The whole staff's here. They just, you know, I said, whatever. We end up getting there 30 minutes late. We walk in, Pastor Mike meets me at the door, he takes the application for the loan, he hands it to Pastor Benny, Pastor Benny walks off somewhere, and he starts, Pastor Mike starts walking me through this video. Like, man, this is what you're going to do, you know, we're going we're gonna to say this, we're going to do this, um, this is what the video is about, this is why we're doing it, and I'm like, let me hand this to you, brother, I don't want it to fall. And I said, Okay. And this is what happened. I'm standing with Pastor Troy and Darla Powell. They are going to be planting a brand new church in Smyrna, Tennessee. And actually, we as LifePoint Church get to partner with them. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But Pastor Troy, tell us about the church and what you're going to be doing. Thank you, Pastor. We get the privilege to plant a life-giving church in Smyrna, Tennessee, which is right in the middle of Murfreesboro and downtown Nashville. Rutherford County, the county that we're in, is growing 98 people a day. And they say in statistics that Smyrna is one of the top five places to plant a church in America. And so we moved nine families, 18 people, to that area from Memphis and from Texas, looking to build a multicultural, multi-generational church for the unchurched and the de-churched. And we're excited to say we've been here for about three, four months. We've grown the team to uh, over 60. And we're excited that on January 21st, we will gather in Rock Springs Middle School and we will launch Victory Church to go after Rutherford County. So we want to thank you, LifePoint, for encouraging and being behind us in this process. That is awesome. They've asked us to come alongside and be their mothering church, which means that we as a church get to help plant this church in Smyrna, Tennessee. So we're extending our reach beyond Clarksville and into Middle Tennessee into Smyrna. And Pastor Troy is gonna be the lead pastor of Victory Church in Tennessee and our board who is standing with us tonight, uh, they are gonna be the covering board for this, the opening season of this church. And our hope is that together, we're gonna to come along and do ministry better together to see this life-giving, healthy church grow and flourish in Smyrna, Tennessee. I wanna ask you to pray about a few things. Number one, I wanna ask you to just pray for Victory Church, pray for Pastor Troy and his family and his wife 
wife, Darla, and their whole team. I mean, 18 people that moved their families to come to Smyrna to help, and now their launch team is growing. Their goal is over 100 at launch Sunday. I want to ask you to pray for them. Give concerted effort to pray for them. And know this, that every time you give at LifePoint Church, a tenth of our money, a tenth of the money that comes in here, we tithe and we give to missionaries, church planners, nonprofit organizations, and like-minded, healthy church pastors. And so we are committed to giving to you guys already, and we're going to cover you. Along that, there's cost in planting a church. And we know from planting our North Clarksville campus, from launching a second campus years ago, there's a lot of cost that comes with planting a church. And so what they've asked us to do is not only will we parent them and mother them, but they've asked us to come alongside and co-sign on a, a loan or like a, it's kind of like a grant to go into this process. But our board doesn't like doing that. And we don't like doing that. How many of you know we hate debt? Can I hear a big amen, everybody? <laughs> and so we don't want to do that. And so instead, what we've decided to do, and this wasn't even my call, this was our call, is we don't want to loan you the money. We want to give you a check for $65,000 so that you can go and plant Victory Church in Smyrna, Tennessee. Come on, everybody. Get on your feet right now and act like you're so excited. Isn't that great news? We just want to give it to you because we love you. We're excited. We're Come on, everybody. Get on your feet and give praise to Jesus right now. Come on. This is great news. Come on and stand with me this morning. God says, show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. It's crazy to think that God had that plan the entire time. And in moments where I thought, it's over. And listen, there's 10 stories like this when it comes to this church. You're not just sitting in a church this morning. You're sitting in a place that has the favor and the hand of God on it. But I want you to understand God's pattern of faith. It's not see it, believe it, and wait for it. It's hear it. Speak it. But the most important part, do it. Move. Move and let God provide as God provides. When you know God's promised it to you and you know it's his will for you, at some point you got to quit waiting and start stepping. So what a moment for me as a human being and as a Christian to have God's pattern for my life and faith just formed into me through this experience. I remember telling Darla, I was so confused when he started telling the church about the debt situation or about the, the loan. It's like, why do you tell 4,000 people about a loan? What's going on? Why is he talking to them? And if you watch the video again, you'll see my face. I'm like, is this a punked video? What's happening right now? And when he said, we don't want to loan you the money, you can start to see the shift in darling eyes face. Because we knew what was about to happen. 
And I just feel impressed to tell you this morning that God is fully aware of what you're asking him for. And God is fully aware of the faith that you have. And all God is asking you to do is to step out and move forward demonstrating your faith in Him. And when you go, God moves. And there's so many people, I don't even know what that means for each individual. But in a minute, we're going to pray. And my prayer for you would be that it would be so clear in your mind right now what this sermon's about. The area in your life that you've been asking God for to confirm things for you, to provide things for you, to open wombs, to do all kinds of things that you've been asking God to do. Things specifically, financially, in your marriage, in friendships, in your job. You've been asking God. And what you've been asking has been lining up with the Word of God. I'm not here to be able to let you get a Jaguar, okay? That's not what this is about. But when your prayers have been lining up with the Word of God, I'm here to affirm in you that He's aware of that. And he's working and he's moving. But it's not about how long you can wait. It's about how quick you can move. And when you move, God is faithful to provide. I'm going to give you a statement that the Lord's been melting in my heart. And I'm going to preach on this in about a month and go in depth. But if you leave with any statement, leave with this. God is a good steward of your faith. At some point, you've stepped out from your own and you've put faith in God. He's going to steward that faith well. Oh, but he hasn't given me. Trust me, he's a good steward of your faith. There's a reason why it's been on pause. Are y'all familiar with airplanes, flights? I mean, of course you are. When an airplane is trying to land, and there's something wrong with the landing ground, they will put that plane in what's called a circling pattern. And they'll ask that plane to just circle until that ground becomes ready for that plane to land. So here's the last part of God's faith, or here's the last part of the pattern that God has for faith. In parentheses, right? So you got hear it, speak it, do it. And in parentheses, It may be circling right now. It may be in that circling pattern. But keep praying, keep believing, and do whatever God's asking you to do. For me, it was just to go to that church and make that video, not thinking it was ever going to be that. Because here's what we could have done. I could have came into that team rally that Sunday morning and said, team, we in trouble. <laughs> I don't know what to do, and here's what's going on, and da 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 And I could have told Pastor Mike, man, we're not coming out there. We don't know what we're going to do. We're panicking. We didn't move forward because we knew the check was coming. We moved forward because we know God provides. Sometimes the end result of faith isn't you getting what you want. It's you getting closer to God. 
Would you pray with me? Close your eyes. Lord, I thank you right now for everybody in this place. And Lord, we're asking for different situations for every person. Would you do that with me? Would you just begin? You know what you're believing God for. You know what you're asking God to give you faith for. Would you just begin to ask him that? You don't have to do it out loud. You might do it in your heart or in your mind. Maybe you do it out loud. Whatever that process is for you, confirming God, this is the faith I need. And God, we've been operating by a world's pattern. And we've been told, just believe, just believe, just believe. And certainly believing is part of it. But God, James said, believing without action is dead. So I pray right now in the way that only you could do, that you would begin to speak to the hearts of every one of your children, affirming them, confirming to them, and then showing them the steps, God, that you're calling them to take. Come on, you already know what it is. You already know what God's been asking you to do to be able to move forward to see that promise. So God, we lift up our needs to you right now. We lift up our faith. Lord, when you asked the disciples to forgive, like we talked about last week, they said, would you increase our faith? And so, Lord, we pray that this morning, would you increase our faith? But here's what we know. As you increase our faith, you increase our marching orders. So before we pray for faith, we would be ready to move on what you're calling us to do. Thank you. Thank you for the fact that you're always one step ahead of us. And thank you that I know whenever I do step out, God, the ground I'm looking for is going to come just in time. That you're going to catch me before I fall. That you're teaching me, drawing me closer to you. And most of all, changing the way I see faith. And understanding that faith isn't about me getting what I want but it's forcing me into a more intimate relationship with you. Would you do me a favor real quick? Just kind of put your arms in the air. We're just going to pray. Just going to thank God. Thank you in advance. Come on, and however you would do it, just begin to thank him in advance. He may not have answered the prayer yet that you want him to answer, but thank him in advance. Because he's moving and he's working. He's operating. He's aware. He sees you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you know more about me than I do. Thank you that you know what I need more than I know what I need. And thank you that you're answering those prayers for me. And you're saying no to the prayers that I shouldn't be praying. And you're providing, and you're moving, and you're pushing me to be able to experience the greater that you have in mind for me. Thank you for growing our faith, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen.